Hello everyone, welcome to the Hillfields Church Podcast where we talk about Jesus, how much we love him and what he's doing in our church. Here's this week's message. We pray it blesses you, but most importantly, that it changes you. Check it out. Okay. And David stayed in the strongholds in the wilderness and remained in the mountains in the wilderness of Ziph. Saul sought him every day, but God did not deliver him into his hand. So David saw that Saul had come out to seek his life. And David was in the wilderness as if in a forest. And Jonathan, Saul's son, arose and went to David in the woods and strengthened his hand in God. And, so, and said to him, do not fear, for the hand of Saul my father shall not find you. You shall be king over Israel, and I shall be next to you. Even my father Saul knows that. Really cool statement. You can write this down. Strongholds in the wilderness. You could write a sermon on that in itself. I'm just going to give you a few lines. But strongholds in the wilderness. These strongholds are not the enemy strongholds. This is the strongholds of God in the wilderness. We often fail in our wilderness or valley moments because we see them as a place that we're not meant to be in rather than rather than getting the most out of these moments with God. And what we do is we try to exit our wilderness and valley moments as quickly as we possibly can. But there are moments in life that God has actually placed us in. We blame the devil for our valleys and our wilderness, yeah? Oh, the devil's got me in the wilderness, I would meet with church leaders, this is a long, long, long time ago, back when it was really tough times in the church. And when I would meet with them and I'd say, how are you getting on? They'd be like, oh, we're in a wilderness time. I'd be like, oh, wow, okay, that's interesting. And then next time I'd see them, oh, yeah, we're in the wilderness time. I'd be like, hmm, that's interesting. As if it was like, oh, God's not really doing anything, so we're going to label it a wilderness time. But actually, God does the most in our lives in the wilderness time. He grows us the most. He teaches us the most. It's actually the place where we grow, grow closer to him. The, the, the problem in this world is that we're seeking instant gratification. So we think that the church or God is supposed to offer us instant gratification, that we're en- meant to be in a place where we will end up being able to um, come to the Lord and say, right, now I want this, and then we will get it, because that's what we can do with our microwave dinner, Yeah? Or we can do that if we drive up to McDonald's or any drive. In fact, drive through Costa now, drive through Greg's. Yeah. So everything is instant now. You, you don't have to wait around for it. You can even order now before you even get there for some places. And then you can, and then basically once you're there, they just give it to you. You don't have to wait around anymore. Like that's the world we're in, but it's not the God we serve. And often what we want to do is want to say to God, I want it now, like he's a genie. I need it now. Give it to me now. And and so when we're in wilderness moments, we don't learn our lesson. We're not learning in the wilderness. We're moaning in the wilderness. And I'll talk a bit about that in a second. We're not learning in the wilderness. We're moaning in the wilderness. And we exit the wilderness too soon. We come out of it too quick because we think it's a thing that we've got to run through. 
And I'm going to bring this scripture up again, but it says, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, yeah? And, and he's leading you through it, Jesus. So, so we've run out. Oh, I've got to get out of this quick. This is a disaster. How do we get out of it? It's not. You're meant to be going through it with the Lord so that he can teach you, so you can grow close to him. But we're running out. We're getting out of it. So we quit the times of teaching and, and slowing down and growing. So guess what happens? We've been anointed, as we've learned. David's been anointed for an assignment he's not doing yet, isn't he? Yeah? But he's in now in a wilderness that doesn't seem to align up with his assignment. So what we decide is like, oh, my wilderness doesn't align up with my assignment. Therefore, I need to, I need to exit it. Clearly, this can't be God. So we cut corners. We get out of it quick. And we try to turn up our assignment. And guess what? You're not ready. And now you try to do the assignment you were anointed to do, but you haven't gone through the lessons. This is what Soul Survivor is all about. It's about surviving Soul so you can actually do the assignment you're anointed for. When we enter into a wilderness time, a desert time, a valley moment, we often moan. But David doesn't do this, he is in a season. Yes, he's been anointed by God for a future position. Yes, he's had mountain moments. Yeah, mountaintop moments. He's been in the court of the king already. God's given him a glimpse of his future, yeah? Sometimes God gives you a glimpse of your calling. He gives you a little taste of it. And you think, I've arrived. I'm in the palace. I must be. I'm playing the music, yeah, for the king. I think I'm there. I'm there. And God's like, no, you're going to go to the wilderness after this. And I think this is a really good lesson for Christians, particularly if you've been a Christian for a quite a while. Maybe God has anointed you for an assignment. And maybe you've had some incredible moments where God has moved. And you've seen incredible things happen, miracles of God. And you've seen lives changing. And you've been even maybe in the places that you know that God is calling you into, but you haven't been in the position to be able to do it yet. Like David was... The musician, he wasn't the king, but he was in the place where the king sat. And that sometimes is where we think, oh, I think, I've, I think I'm there then. I think I've made it. And God's like, no, 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 we're going to go on a journey first. But the, the, the danger, the, what we've created as, church, as churches is because we've got instant gratification in the world, we brought that into the church and we've twisted this teaching and we've messed about with scripture and we try to make it like, no, God will give it to you today. Well, how do I know that God wants to give you anything today? God wants to give you whatever he wants to give you when he'll give it to you in the way he'll give it to you through whatever means he wants. So how can a pastor stand up and say, today is the day? We don't know if today is the day. All we can say is submit to God and let him provide. Let him do the work. Trust in the Lord. He'll make your path straight. He'll make the way. So we've got to be really careful as Christians not to have lost our assignment because we thought it was in the few mountaintop moments we've already had. And because it didn't continue, because it didn't flow from there, we've now decided, oh, maybe that assignment wasn't for me. And God says, I was just training you. I was just giving you a glimpse of the future. I was just showing you some of the things to come. But we're not there yet. I said it. I will do it. 
And I think this is a really big thing for us to learn, particularly, like I said, for Christians that maybe have been going around. Because if you've been faithful to God, there's no doubt you've had some mountain moments with the Lord. And I don't just mean in your own personal walk with God where you're just like, oh, this is an amazing time with the Lord personally. I mean where God has used you to do something incredible, where you've seen God move through your life. And you just think, wow, tomorrow's going to be the same and the next day's going to be the same. And it's not. And God's just saying, I was just giving you a taste. I was just giving you a taste. I'm teaching you things. I mean, we're going to be in that one day. We're gonna be, we're gonna, you're going to be the king. You're going to be doing the things that a king does. But actually, not yet. Not yet. First of all, you're going you're gonna, to you're gonna be a, a worship leader. Or you're going to be playing the harp. You're going to be in the court of the king. You're just going to be there. Then you're going to end up in a wilderness. See, he defeated giants. He was lifted up by the people. We heard last week there was a song written about him, you know? Like, this guy was, can you imagine that for us? And I'm sure you've had it. Where you've got praise from people through the things that God is doing in your life. Not because they're just you know, puffing you up. And you're like, I think I'm doing all right with the Lord. And God's like, you're doing great, but we're on the journey. So actually, this isn't going to happen now. And you think you're failing now because people aren't patting on your, you on the back and saying, oh, it's great music. Well, maybe just things aren't happening anymore the way they were. And God said, I'm just teaching you it's possible. I'm just showing you a glimpse. I'm just giving you a little look at what the throne looks like. But actually, we're going to go outside into the wilderness for a bit first. So stop blaming yourself if you feel like you're in a wilderness today, thinking I must have messed up my assignment. If you're in a wilderness today, it's because that's where God wants you to be. Learn the lessons. This is the lesson you need to learn. 24, so they arose and went to Ziph before Saul, but David and his men were in the wilderness of Moan. That's M-A-O-N. Yeah, spell it out with me. M-A-O-N. Not M-O-A-N. You know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, (laughs) as human beings, we gravitate to the wilderness of Moan. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Turn to the person next to you and say, you gravitate to the wilderness of Moan. I've seen you do it. Yeah, I've seen you do it. Yeah. I hope I haven't broken any friendships there. But anyway, I've seen you do it. We, we, we gravitate to the wilderness. We get into the wilderness and we moan. That's what the Israelites did. The Israelites, yeah, they were set free from captivity. Just like you've been set free by, by the power of the blood of Jesus Christ, yeah? You've been set free, and then you're like, right, let's start this journey with God. Let's go, yeah? And then, and then you're like, what, what, hang on a minute, this doesn't look like, this doesn't look like what I thought it was going to look like. And, and, and actually, they're, they're in the wilderness, right? And in the wilderness, what actually is going on in the wilderness? God is not only just doing these ridiculous miracles, like providing water out of rock and food from heaven, yeah, which is temporary, by the way. They're, they're mountaintop. They're meant to be mountaintop miracles. They're meant to be moments. It's not normal that bread comes out of heaven, okay? It's not normal that water just comes out of a rock in the middle of a desert. But God was just saying, I'm, gonna, I'm doing something here. But they didn't even see the miracles of God because they were in the valley of Moan. And actually, if you go on and read about that, we realize that God was given the instructions he was teaching them the word. He was showing them, this is what you're going to need when you go into the, into the promised land. How are you going to work together? How it's all going to... So it was a lesson. It was a place to learn. 
And whilst Moses was getting the lessons to learn so he could pass them on to the Israelites, they were going back and starting to worship false idols and moaning. Oh, he hasn't come down. He's been up there long enough. Oh, he should have been down by now. How do you know how long someone's supposed to be up a mountain with God for? Oh, it's not moving fast enough. Thought I'd be married by now. Thought I'd have kids by now. I didn't make eye contact with you. Okay. I thought I'd have kids by now. I thought the kids would have moved out by now. Yeah, because one person's blessing is sometimes another person's, yeah? Yeah? <laughs> the 30, why are they still here? What's going on? <laughs> Whoa. We haven't even got to the tough bit yet. No, it's like joking. I wasn't even, you pulled that on yourself. I didn't even, I didn't even know. Obviously the Lord is on you right now. And we will pray, we will pray. <laughs> I don't think your mum feels like that. She's happy you're home. I'm just saying, okay. She hasn't told me that. She hasn't told me that. I'm just saying, she hasn't, she hasn't said that to me. I'm not passing on a message to you. All right, okay. I'm just saying, all right. <laughs> okay. So, Maon, M-A-O-N, means dwelling place. And it's explained like this. The same dwelling place as when God dwelt in the temple. Mm, yeah, it's good, isn't it? So, are we in the valley of Moan? Are we going to be in the valley of Maon? Which is Maon. <laughs> Bonjour. Um, yeah. Oui, oui, oui. Okay, anyway. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> dwelling place of God so this is what David does this is the thing that you need to write down strongholds in the wilderness yeah God's strongholds in the wilderness so when you enter the wilderness yeah and you know oh, okay I'm in this place it's a bit drier it's not as free flowing it's not the mountaintop I'm not it's not surfing a wave every day for a while it's a bit tougher this is what you need to do find the place where God's presence is and soak and hang and be in refuge and be safe. Be comforted. Get strengthened. It's just switching two letters around, but actually that's quite, quite a clear thing that we can do. It's not that big of a change, but if we choose the wrong one, we're in the wrong wilderness. It's very easy so do we search the strongholds of the enemy or do we search out the strongholds of God? Do we allow ourselves to become the victim in the wilderness or do we look to God and say, God, teach me, show me. I'm going to hang with you. Because if I'm hanging with you, I'm more likely to know what's coming. In the plain, this is finishing off that bit, in the plain on the south of Jessamon, 25, when Saul and his men went to meet him, they told David, therefore he went down to the rock and stayed in the wilderness of Maon. Just a little thing for you to write down. When you are facing difficult moments in your life, do what David did. Go down to the rock 
Oh, who's your rock? Oh, yeah, he's the rock, yeah? He's the rock that cannot be shaken, yeah? So go down to the rock and hang where? In Maon, which is where the presence of God is. So when you're in a wilderness, when you're in a time where you think, oh, this is the worst place ever, actually, it's the best place you can be because God is with you, God is there, but actually is where you can get refuge, comfort, strength, encouragement, and not be shaken because you're on the rock. Psalm 23, 1, like I read earlier, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He restores my soul. He guides me in the path of righteousness for his name's sakes, even though I walk, not run, not sprint, not get out of here as quickly as possible. I walk through the valley of the shadow of death. I will fear no evil, for you are with me. The wilderness is not a place to be feared. The valley is not a place to be avoided. It is where God is. It's where we grow. It's where we can feel safe. David is learning to be king in the wilderness. And that is where you will learn to, to find and become the assignment that God has given you. You'll learn it in the wilderness, not on the mountain. God is learning to be king. Can you believe, can you believe like if they had then, like I don't know, how to be a king for dummies books out then? Yeah? The, the steps, you, it wouldn't say, oh, go to the wilderness. Yeah? It would say, no, go to the palace. Yeah, go and hang out with the king. Put on the stuff. Walk around. Point to people, yeah? Call them servants or something. I don't know. Peasants. It wouldn't say, go to the wilderness. But that's what God says. That's what God is teaching us. And we've got to learn this. Because the enemy gets a foothold when we don't accept the wilderness for what it is. And when we start moaning about it, then he has a foothold. And that's a stronghold in the wilderness. That's not God's. And he starts then creating in your mind and stuff like, this is not, oh, God must have abandoned you. Oh, he must have made a mistake. You turn left instead of right. Oh, that's all over for you. And it's actually where you're meant to be, but you haven't sought God. Because you thought you've got to get out of it as quickly as possible rather than think, okay, where's God in this? When COVID hit, I was chatting to someone about this yesterday. When COVID hit, in my mind, I said to the church, you will never get another opportunity to spend time with the Lord like you have now. Make the most of it. You will never get this time again. People are paying your wages. You can't leave anyway. You can go on a walk even. You know, you could go on walks and stuff. And it, the weather was ridiculously amazing. Go and spend time with creation. Go and spend time with God. Go and listen to what God is doing. It was so quiet. You could hear God speak if you really wanted to. A lot of people broke in COVID. A lot of churches shut down. When we hit our wilderness moment, the first thing you should be saying is, where's God in this? Where's God in this? So I want to encourage you, when you hit your wilderness moments, when you're in your valley moments, don't moan. Seek after God. Seek after the Lord and say, where are you in this? 
and you will grow. 24, chapter 24. Now it happened when Saul had returned from following the Philistines that it was told him, saying, take note, David is in the wilderness of Engedi. Then Saul took 3,000 chosen men from all Israel and went to seek David and his men on the rocks of the wild goats. So he came to the sheepfolds of the road where there was a cave and Saul went in to attend to his needs. David and his men were staying in the recess of the cave. So Saul, who's seeking to take out David, David is hiding in the strongholds of the Lord. He's doing what he's supposed to be doing. Yeah? He's in the strongholds of the wilderness. And Saul ends up needing to go to a toilet. That's what it means. He had to tend to his needs. It meant he needed to do a number two. <laughs> Just newsflash if you didn't know that. <laughs> it's true. I'm not waking it up. It's true. I could have said something else. It said empty his bowels. That's what it says in, in the King James explanation. But I thought number two was better. So now you've got both. <laughs> anyway, um, Saul ends up needing to go to a toilet in front of the audience of David and all of his men. He's literally caught with his pants down. This is the one trying to destroy him. This is the one trying to take him down. This is the one trying to end him. This is the one that is trying to wipe him off the face of the earth. David has done exactly what he's supposed to do, which is seek God. Yeah? Seek God in the wilderness, in the strongholds where God is so he can have refuge. David's done what he's supposed to do. Saul's just going in against God, trying to take David out. And he delivers Saul on a plate before David and his men. Sometimes that which we are fearing and hiding from and are the reason for why we are even in the wilderness, yeah, the lessons being taught, the power that they think, you think they have over you, God will give you a moment to show you their vulnerabilities and their weaknesses. May God reveal to you that those whom you allow to have power over you are actually more vulnerable and fragile than you think. May that revelation be in your heart today. Those that you think have power over you, God is going to give you moments to reveal their vulnerability so that you, you can be in a place of knowing You could be in a place of knowing that they have no power over you. They are vulnerable. More vulnerable than you think. Here is the king taking a dump. Number four. Then the men of David said to him, it's better than last week's message though. We went completely, went somewhere. Yeah, so amen. Then the, the men of David said to him, this is the day of which the Lord said to you, Behold, I will deliver your enemy into the hands that you may do, him, do to him as it seems good to you. And David arose and secretly cut off a corner of Saul's robe. Now it happened afterward that David's heart troubled him because he had cut Saul's robe. I was like, David was troubled for cutting his robe? I'd be more bothered about having to watch him go to Lou. But truth is, this is the truth. Cutting off his robe was tantamount to harming him in person. 
David grieved this. Verse 6, he said to his men, the Lord forbid that I should do this thing to my master, the Lord's anointed, to stretch out my hand against him, seeing he is the anointed of the Lord. So David restrained his servants with these words and did not allow them to rise against Saul. And Saul got up from the cave and went on his way. Just because you can retaliate, just because those who have hurt you are vulnerable and in a place where you can harm them like they harmed you, does not mean you do it. And this is the lesson in this section, in this part three. If you honor God like David, despite those around you hurting you, discouraging you, trying to cause you deliberate harm, God will bring them before you and give you a chance to deal with them. How will you deal with them? What's in your heart right now, really, being honest, don't say anything. But what is in your heart? Is it vengeance? Is it, is it, is it an attitude, a mindset of, I want them to pay like I pay? I want them to feel the pain I felt? God wants to shift that. God wants to change that. This is the message title, having grace with your soul. It's all great when we're talking about overcoming the people that hurt us and God will give you the victory. And it's all true, that's all in the Bible, but God will also cause you to have grace on those that have hurt you and harmed you. And you have a responsibility to honor God with what you do when you are presented with an opportunity to harm them in the same way they harmed you. Oh, we want them to pay. They don't know what they've done. I want them to know it. They don't even know what they've done. <clears throat> so I have to do something so they can at least understand it. That's how we think. That's how we work. Many of you maybe have worked out what your soul is by now. But surviving your soul is one thing, which is what we learned in part one. Part two. But having grace and forgiveness on that soul is another. And next week, we're going to talk about losing our soul. But you can't lose your soul without grace and forgiveness. Verse 8. David also arose afterwards and went out of the cave and called out to Saul, saying, My Lord, the king. And when Saul looked behind him, David stooped with his face to the earth and bowed down. And David said to Saul, Why do you listen to the words of the men who say, Indeed, David seeks you harm? Look this day, your eyes have seen that the Lord delivered you today into my hand in the cave, and someone urged me to kill you, but my eyes spared you. And I said, I will not stretch out my hand against my Lord, for he is the Lord's anointed. Moreover, my father, see, yes, the corner of your robe is in my hand. For in that I cut off the corner of your robe and did not kill you. Know and see that there is neither evil or rebellion in my hand. Is there evil or rebellion in your hand? Search the Lord. Is there any wicked way in me, God? It doesn't matter what they've done. It's how you stand before God, yeah? And I have not sinned against you, yet you hunt my life to take it. Let the Lord's judge between you and me, and let the Lord avenge me on you. But my hand shall not be against you. As the proverb of the ancient says, wickedness proceeds from the wicked, but my hand shall not be against you. After whom has the king of Israel come out? 
Whom do you pursue? A dead dog? A flea? Therefore, let the Lord be judge and judge between you and me and see and plead my case and deliver me out of your hand. And so it was when David had finished speaking these words to Saul, Saul said, is that your voice, my son David? And Saul lifted his, up his voice and wept. Then he said to David, you are more righteous than I, for you have rewarded me with good, whereas I have rewarded you with evil. And you have shown this day how you have dealt with me. For when, when the Lord delivered me into your hand, you did not kill me. For if a man finds his enemy, will he let him get away safely? Therefore, may the Lord reward you with good for what you have done for me this day. And now I know indeed that you shall surely be king and that the kingdom of Israel shall be established in your hand. Therefore, swear now to me by the Lord that you will not cut off my descendants after me and that you will not destroy my name from my father's house. So David swore to Saul, and Saul went home, but David and his men went up to the stronghold. David had mercy and grace over Saul because he feared God more than he feared Saul. Who do you fear? What do you fear? If you think that something is in your life that you fear more than you fear God, it has a power over you. How we treat people cannot be based on our feelings, experiences, but rather our characters aligning with Jesus. David challenges Saul and even says, God will judge you, but I will not. I will not. And I had the chance. I had the chance. God showed me I actually have the power to hurt you like you hurt me. But I will not. My vengeance, your vengeance, yeah? Your vengeance will serve your flesh. Will serve your flesh. Even the mic's like, I'm out. <laughs> I don't want to hear this. Your vengeance will serve your flesh, but destroy your relationship with God. If you will serve your flesh, yeah, you may get satisfaction, that instant gratification we talked about, but your relationship with God will be damaged. Remember, Saul was once someone who walked with God. His disobedience led him to lose favor with God. And we're only an act away for the same happening for us. Walking with Jesus is not easy, is it? Aligning with his character and his word and who he is is not easy in a world where everyone and everything is pulling us the other way. So we've got to stay on it, church. We've got to stay on it with the Lord. Because we're only a little voice away saying, look, the Lord's done this for you. Take him out. And if you're not in the strongholds of God in the wilderness, if you're not hanging in his presence, if you're not seeking to stand on the rock, then you can be swayed to do something that someone's saying sounds a little bit like it could be God. 
But you know in your heart it isn't, but you're going to fall for it because it's going to meet your flesh, the need of your flesh. Today, Christians are flippant with their issuing of grace. Christians, churches, Christians, people in churches are flippant in how they issue grace, like it's theirs to give. Forgiveness, like it's theirs to offer. Or we put conditions. Oh, I'll forgive when. Mm. Mm, that's... Amen. He doesn't like it because it's... Like we have an allocation of, of, of forgiveness that will run out or grace that will run out. Like, like there's a point where you're like, actually, I've, I've, given, out, I've given it out. I've given it out now. It's like, you've had it. <laughs> I'm out. How you act, treat, and speak to people as a Christian reflects on Jesus. Do not be governed by the injustice or your feelings or your experiences, but by who he is and what he's done for you. It says this in Luke 7, 47. Therefore I say to you, her sins, which are many, are forgiven, for she loved much. But to whom little is forgiven, the same loves little. If you start having a measuring stick of your level of sin against someone else's level of sin, of how bad your life is compared to how bad someone else's is, and you start looking and be like, well, I haven't done what they've done. I didn't sniff drugs. Yeah, I didn't do that. I didn't, I didn't end up in a rehab. I didn't, I didn't have an affair. If you start measuring those things up, and you start looking, that's pride. That's sin in itself. Okay? But that's pride. That's self-righteousness. And it, it means that you are living an a imprisoned relationship with God. Because you've heard that Jesus has paid for your sins. You're like, okay, I'll take the offer. Thank you very much. But you don't really understand what you have done. That he needed to do that on the cross. Oh, I'll take eternal life. Oh, I'll have it. Thank you very much. What do I need to do? Prayer, prayer. Amen. I'm in. But if you don't really understand that you've got to turn from the lifestyle that you were in that was causing you pain and other people's pain and a realization of your sin, not their sin, not what they did, what you do before a holy God, then how can you actually really forgive anyone? You need to know that you are a wretch, a sinner. All of us fall short. And all of us deserve the punishment of death. Every single one of us. It's only Jesus that changes that around. It says in scriptures that whilst we were still sinners. So that means that actually there's a point where we cannot be, have to be labeled by being sinners anymore, but by being righteous, not because of our righteousness, but because of what he's done. But how can you truly receive that if you don't understand that you needed forgiving? And not just 
on the day that you called God into your life. But every day, because every day we fall short, church. Every day. Anyone stub their toe on the bed this morning? Amen. Yeah, confession later. Yeah? Everyone, anyone get up and make sure that they love the Lord, that God with all their heart, soul, and might this morning? Or did you get up and go, oh, not another five minutes? Creak out of bed. And then think, oh, yeah, I'm morning, Jesus. Yeah? He didn't get your first breath. You see, we fall short of the standards that God set. So he had to meet the standards for us. Do we really understand how much we are forgiven? Do you really search yourself right now and and look and think, do I really understand how much I'm forgiven? Because if you don't get that, you can't do this. You can't have grace on your soul. You can't forgive people because you don't really know forgiveness. It's just a plastic version that you've received. That's like a surface version. Like, oh, yeah, I heard that if I did this, I can have Jesus. So I did it. I've got Jesus. But you haven't changed. And you, and you didn't realize that you needed to change. Because you're just like, well, I'm happy with the eternal life part in the contract. I'll take that. But love your enemies? Mm. It's a package deal. You've got to read it. And a lot of time we find the fine print after, don't we, church? Yeah? If you give your life to Jesus or you have given your life to Jesus even today, yeah? Um, the fine print comes out later. Okay. Um, we find out later, what? Love my enemies? Yeah. What's the good in loving those that love you? Love those that cause you harm. Love them. I want to just say this, because I know there are people that are survivors of abuse in this room. Look at how the passage ends. David does what he's supposed to do. Saul, you'll find out, doesn't really do that much. Okay? But there's something happens in this. Saul does a work with God. He honors God and he honors Saul. Does he go back to the palace now? Are they buddies? Are they friends? Are they skipping down? Let's go back to the palace together. Get your harp out. This guy missed it. Let's go back to the good old days. Sometimes when people have hurt you, there's no going back. I just want to let you know that, okay? When people have caused damage and pain to you, there's no going back. But that doesn't mean that you can't have your peace by honoring God in the way you treat them. This is really important, how we walk with God. So when we look at it, what does David do? Saul goes off to where he's come from, the palace. David thinking, this is what I would do if I was in, if I, okay, okay. I've done the forgiveness thing. I've been in the wilderness. I think I've been there long enough now. I could have killed him. I didn't kill him. Yeah, I didn't do it. I didn't kill him. I didn't kill him. I didn't kill him. I could have done, but I didn't. I honored God. And now we've reconciled. Yeah, he says, oh, please don't wipe out my descendants when you become king. And, and, you know, and I'm like, yeah, I won't do that. You, you know, what, it's all good. We're pals again. David doesn't do that. It says, David goes back to the stronghold in the wilderness. He doesn't run back to the palace thinking, oh, now I must be ready for the big king. But that's what we would do. 
That's what we would do. We think we've done one lesson in the wilderness. I think that's it. I'm out. Let's go. God's like, get back. Get back here right now. Yeah. So David shows us. David shows us. He says, he shows us that actually, and this is something I said. I, I put this out to Callum. He's not here. But, but we saw um, Callum forgive his father openly and publicly. Did you see that? We haven't seen Callum since, okay? He's doing very well, I'm sure. The Lord's got him. But why is that? Because if you don't go to the stronghold of God, you are vulnerable. Because that was vulnerable, wasn't it? We all witnessed that. It was amazing. And I realized as I was looking at that picture and reading this, man, how many of us have been caught out when we've actually been able to lay down people and put them at the foot of the cross? But actually, then gone, I'm good. <laughs> and it's like, bam. And you think, well, I don't understand. I did the righteous thing. I did the right thing and said, God said, yeah, but you didn't hang out with me afterwards. You didn't let me minister to you because you were vulnerable. So the enemy picked you off. So laying someone at Jesus' feet, which we may very well do in ministry at the end of this message, that's one thing. But you need to sit at the feet of Jesus too. And it's so important. And David got that. He did something incredible. And then said, see you later. I've got to go hang with my God. And that's what we need to do when we're dealing with our source. We lay them at the feet of the cross. We give them to God. But if you don't let God minister to you, that soul will come back. He will still have power over you. The enemy will work for a way in. And the reason for sharing strongholds in the wilderness is also this. Because David understood that he was in a wilderness and he then said, I have to go and seek God in this wilderness. He's here somewhere. He went and he sought after. He was like, where is he? Where is he? And then he found him and he refuged and, and he strengthened with the Lord. It was meant that when he was given the opportunity to destroy Saul, with the counsel of the people that were with him, that were behind him, he was able to have enough strength to say, that's not what God wants me to do. And if he hadn't sought God in the wilderness, he could have very easily have listened to the counsel that would have led to him dishonoring God. Chapter 26. Now the Ziphites came to Saul at Geber, saying, is David not hiding in the hill of somewhere? And Saul arose and went down to the wilderness of Ziph, having some thousands, thousand chosen men of Israel with him to seek David in the wilderness of Ziph. So David arose, came to the place where Saul was encamped, and David saw the place where Saul lay, and Abner, the son of Ner, the commander of the army, now Saul's, lay within the camp with the people encamped all around them. So David... And Abishai, go with that, um, came to the people that by night, and their, and their Saul lay sleeping within the camp, and his spear stuck in the ground by his head. And Abner and the people lay all around him. And Abishai said to David, God has delivered your enemy into your hand this day. Now, therefore, please let me strike him at once with the spear right to the earth, and I will not have to strike him a second time. And David said to Abishai, do not destroy him, for who can stretch out his hand against the Lord's anointed and be guiltless? David said, furthermore, as the Lord lives, the Lord shall strike him 
or his day shall come to die, or he shall go out to battle and perish. The Lord forbid that I should stretch out my hand against the Lord's anointed. But please take now the spear and the jug of water that are by his head and let us go. So David took the spear and the jug of water by Saul's head and they got away and no man saw or knew it or awoke. For they were all asleep because the deep sleep from the Lord had fallen on them. Now David went over to the other side, stood at top of a hill afar off, a great distance between, a distance being between them. And David called out to the people and to Abner, the son of Ner, saying, Do you not answer, Abner? And Abner answered and said, Who are you calling out to the king? So David said to Abner, Are you not a man? And, I, and who is like you in Israel? Why then have you not guarded the Lord your king? For one of the people came in to destroy the Lord your king. This thing you have done is not good. And the Lord, as the Lord lives, you deserve to die. Because you have not guarded your master, the Lord's anointed. And now see where the king's spear is and the jug of water that was, which is by his head. And Saul knew David's voice and said, Is that your voice, my son David? And David said, It is my voice, my king, my lord, O king. And he said, Why does my lord thus pursue his servant? For what have I done? Or what evil is in my hand? Now, therefore, please let my lord, the king, um, hear the words of this servant. If the lord has stirred you up against me, let him accept an offering. But if it is the children of men, may they be cursed before the lord, for they have driven me out this day from the sharing of the inheritance of the Lord, saying, go serve other gods. So there's two things David puts to Saul. First, if I have sinned and done wrong, and you're stirred by God, let me atone with a sacrifice. Today that would be, let me seek forgiveness and repent. Put it right with God. But if it's the children of men... If it's people's, basically what he's saying is, whatever you're doing is unreasonable. Like, let's just, let's just get a, an animal and sacrifice it and say, sorry, you tell me what I've done wrong, let's put it right. That's how we deal with things here. But if it's people in your ear, if it's voices in your head, may they be cursed. For they are stirring your mind and in doing so have driven me away from where I should be. Now look at this story. David has the chance to kill Saul, and his servant says, I'll do it, and I'll do it good. I mean, think about it. You want to be guiltless, someone else is offering to do it, you know. There may be a gray area, but, you know. The offer's there. People can twist the truth to sound like Jesus. And we can accept it because it meets our agenda. People can twist the truth to sound like Jesus. Yeah? But we will accept it because it meets with our agenda. Oh, that sounds like something I, that lets me do what I want to do. Thank you very much. And you said, thus says the Lord. Amen. And that's what he's saying. He's saying, the Lord has delivered this God to be God. And he was probably there in the cave saying, how many times has God got to do this? Come on. In fact, I'll do it. You don't do it. Don't worry about it. I'll do it. And I'll do it good. We won't have to do it twice. I'll just do it once. It'll be over. 
David doesn't respond. He doesn't heed that voice. He doesn't hear that counsel. He says, no. It's the same thing. I will not put my hand against someone that God has anointed. God will deal with him how God will deal with him. He knows the character of God. And he knows how God wants to deal with it. Saul, however, is led by a people who are grassing David up. They're like, we found out where David is again. But the thing is, David had already reconciled with Saul. So what I see here is Saul isn't necessarily even looking for David now. It's not really in the forefront of his mind. It just starts with, now the Ziphites came to Saul and said, we know where David is. And if you, if you look at this David, a man anointed by God, Seeking the counsel of God over the voices of others. Saul, who was anointed by God, is listening to the wrong voices. Whose voices will you listen to? The ones who do not understand the grace and the mercy over your life? The experiences you've been through so they cannot relate? And in doing so are appealing to your agenda? The old you. You know that one as well? Oh, let's do that thing that we used to do. I don't do that anymore. Oh, come on. It looks so good. If you haven't crucified your flesh, that's how we fall into the trap of going back to it. But if we crucified it, when someone says, let's go, let's do what we used to do, you're like, that's not me anymore. And so David is able to say, he's able to say, ah, nah, nah. Like, I'm going to honor God. This is who I am. This is who I am. This is who I am. This is who he is. So we're not going to harm him. We're just going to show that we could. Or maybe the voice you listen to is the one that twists the words of God to meet your agenda. And because it's what you want, you give in with justification. Or are you in the place of God's presence? That when voices come to you, you would do what, right, what is right before God, no matter how they are appealing to you. No matter how appealing it is, how much it might, oh, that feels like a good thing to do. If you're hanging with God and you know his character, you will do what is right before God. Verse 20. So now do not let my, my blood fall to the earth before the face of the Lord. For the king of Israel has come out to seek a flea as when one hurts a partridge in the mountains. Then Saul said, I have sinned. Return my son David, for I, I will harm you no more because my life was precious in your eyes this day. Indeed, I have played the fool and, and erred exceedingly. And David answered and said, here is the king's spear. Let one of the young men come over and get it. May the Lord repay every man for his righteousness and his faithfulness. For the Lord delivered you into my hand today, but I would not stretch out my hand against the Lord's anointed. And indeed, as your life was valued much this day in my eyes, so let my life be valued much in the eyes of the Lord, and let him deliver me out of all tribulation. Then Saul said to David, may you be blessed, my son David. You shall both do great things and also still prevail. So David went on his way and Saul returned to his place. Saul was anointed, David was anointed. 
One did not attack because he respected God's anointing on the other. The other one disrespected the anointing on his own life and therefore could not recognize or respect it in others. What follower of Jesus do you want to be? And I want, I want to raise that at a level. He disrespected the forgiveness in his own life. So he couldn't forgive others. Oh, Father, help us to search ourselves. Help us to see wickedness in us. Help us to realize how forgiven we are. So when people do bad, wrong, that we are able to lay them at your feet and forgive because we are forgiven much. Today's message is one of the hardest to hear because we think we have the right to issue forgiveness, grace, and mercy. And you do. You don't have to do it. But actually, do you really, as a Christian and a believer in God, have a choice? I don't think you do. You can do it. You can choose not to do it. But if you really want to follow God and you want to be forgiven much, then you need to forgive much. And when you are forgiven much, you can love much. And this isn't about being best buddies. I hope I've really made that clear. If people have hurt you or abused you, I'm not telling you you've got to reconcile with people and build relationships with people that, that are, are, are pushing you away from God or, or cause you harm. That's not... It's about your peace in your relationship with God to make sure that you have honored him to make sure that you're in the right place with him. And that's what David was fighting for all the time. I need to be right with God. So I could do it, but I need to be right with God. And if I do it, I fear God more than his retribution than I do what this person is even doing to me. Keep your peace and hold your testimony. Keep your peace and hold your testimony. It's, the enemy wants you to retaliate. He wants to get under your skin and cause you to blow up. He wants you to react. But keep your peace and hold your testimony. Because when you do that, the enemy has no foothold. And actually, it brings other people to repentance like we see with Saul. He said, no, I'm the one that's done wrong. And you wouldn't think that with Saul. When you read for his character, you think, this guy is crazy. But he has the chance to kill David. David's right in front of him. But when David brings his heart and he lays it at his feet, it brings conviction to the person that was causing him harm. If, if we don't learn how to give... Freely, forgiveness, grace, and mercy. If we don't learn how to do that, think about if God did the same with you. What if God dealt with us in the same way that we deal with others? It means when you say sorry or you repent, you cannot know that you're forgiven. Can you imagine that? Can you imagine what your life would be like as a follower of Christ if you didn't know that Jesus had paid the price? So that when you bring it to his feet and you say sorry, you know that you are forgiven 
when you are repentant. Can you imagine if we just didn't know that? And God was like, well, to be honest, I didn't really want to give you that today. Perhaps God has run out. He's forgiven. I mean, there's 8 billion people on the planet asking for forgiveness, you know? Maybe, you know, you were the 8 billionth one to ask that day. And he's just like, do you know what? I've run out. Can you imagine if, that's, if you knew that, that was, there was conditions on God's forgiveness for you? Can you imagine it? We would be a wreck. We would be in distress. I'm able to love much because I know I'm forgiven much. And I'm thankfully, I'm not comparing my sins to anyone else. So I'm not looking and thinking, do you know what? I think I'm doing all right compared to them. <laughs> Won't want to be them when I get to judgment. <laughs> you know? <laughs> We're all going to be judged the same, guys. Do you know Jesus? Have you received him in your life and have you turned away from the life that was destroying you? Do you understand that you are forgiven much? That you need forgiveness? What happens if God just doesn't feel like it? We're really good at that. I just didn't feel like it, to be honest. I didn't feel like forgiving them. I didn't feel like giving them that grace. I didn't feel like helping them out and making them say, say to say, actually, don't worry about that. I didn't feel like it. God doesn't treat us that way, and we are to be like Christ. So learn about who Jesus is. And learn about his character, not the pastor of a church, not the leader of your life group, not someone that's written a really good book. Find out the character of Christ and align yourself as best you can with that character. Know what he says. Be led and governed by the Holy Spirit so that when you are presented with opportunities to hurt those that hurt you, you will have grace and you will have mercy. And it may even lead them to Jesus. We are so quick to offer forgiveness with conditions. We forget that we are forgiven freely because of what was done for us. We love much because we're forgiven much. When I see people that say I'm a Christian, that represent the church but place conditions on those around them makes my blood boil because I'm like, you cannot know Jesus. You can't know Jesus. He wouldn't let you. He just wouldn't let you do that. The conviction of the Holy Spirit would be upon you. So something's gone wrong with your understanding of forgiveness. And if your heart has got hard, if you suddenly start saying, I'm not, I'm put conditions, they, they, I got, it's not about hanging out with them. It's about Letting them go. It's about saying, I let that go. I let that go. Do you know how forgiven you are? Like, really, do you really know how forgiven you are? Is there pride in us? Is there pride in us that says, You deserve it, but others don't. I've done, I've been in church for years. I've really been done, I've served Jesus, I deserve. Is that, is that our attitude? That we think that we qualify better than someone else? 
There's no favorites. We're getting judged the same. And the only thing that's going to matter is, did, are you paid for in the blood of Jesus Christ? And the only way that that can truly, really have its effect on your life and your walk is if you know that you're forgiven much. And that you need a savior. Maybe you feel like you don't deserve forgiveness. And that is why you don't operate that upon others too. I'm such a mess. I don't deserve it. So why would they deserve it either? Then you've lost sight of the biggest thing. It's not about you. And it's not about what you can do. It's about what Jesus has done for you. He paid it. He did it. It's accomplished. It is finished. You do deserve forgiveness, not because you've done anything great, but because he freely offers you to receive it as a gift. And anyone willing to say yes to that can have forgiveness today. Yes, you get eternal life. Yes, we get to see God move in our walk, but you get forgiven for all the junk that you've done on others, on yourself. God separates it as far as he possibly can, which is just infinity. From the far as the east is from the west, he separates our sins. He loves you, he's for you, he's with you. But you need forgiving. I just want to say this one more time. This is not to invite abusive people into your life. David went separate ways. From Saul, twice. It's not about being buddies or having souls in your life. But it's about how you live and conduct yourself before God. Maybe you have a soul in mind right now. And you need to forgive them. Ask God to give you the grace to love them. Not accept what they're doing, but love them the same way Christ loves you. Because actually sometimes we're doing things that aren't acceptable before God. And we still know he loves us, don't we? Make sure that people know that too. Maybe a neglectful or abusive parent, a partner, a work colleague, friends who let you down, people who spoke pain over you and that stuck with you. If you want to be a soul survivor, you need to know that even though you may have survived them, you cannot lose them until you've learned to treat them with the same love and character that saved and loved you. Can we all stand, please? I'm going to make some space for ministry in a minute. But if you're here right now, can everyone just shut their eyes as they're standing? That would be great. Don't shut your eyes before you stand. You might fall over, but stand, stand first. I believe there are people here today, maybe, you're, um, maybe you've come to see a baptism, maybe you're a guest, maybe you've come for the very first time. 
but you've never really understood about Jesus. And maybe you've never actually heard about forgiveness. And maybe it was a bit of a hardcore message to come to for the first time if you've been in church, but I can't think of anything better for you to have heard because we need to be forgiven much. The Bible says that everybody has fallen short of the glory of God. Everybody has sinned. What that means is, is that later on it says the wages of sin is death. Which means that we all deserve to die. Every single one of us. And you might be thinking, I'm a good person. I do good things. I, I. That's not how you're going to be judged. You're going to be judged based on, did you acknowledge that there was a creator God that created you? And did you put that right? Did you put that right? To follow Jesus is this simple. It's to acknowledge that you've been living a life doing it your way. That you've been doing it your way for too long. And quite frankly, your way doesn't work. And there's a word in the Bible called repent, which means to turn. It's 180 degrees. It means you turn your back on your old life. And that doesn't mean you're going to be perfect from this day. It doesn't mean that you're not going to make mistakes. It doesn't mean that you're going to not do certain things that are written in the Bible that you shouldn't do. But it means that you've changed your mind. That you're not going to be governed by the way the world thinks. You're not going to be governed by the way that others have led you. You're not going to let your experiences dictate to you anymore. You're not going to let your emotions. But you're actually going to say, God, I want to do it your way from now on. I want to follow your word, the Bible. And I want to honor you with that in my life. I want to honor you with that in my life. So if you're here and you're thinking, man, I, I need this Jesus because I have done much and I need forgiving for much. The biggest thing you need forgiving for is not the list of sins that are going around in your head right now. The biggest one is the one where you've decided to live a life ignorant of a creator God. Where you have chosen to do things your way and say, I don't need God or I don't believe in God. That's what you need forgiveness for. Oh, Father, forgive us for not seeing you and acknowledging you in our lives. So if you're here right now and you know that's you and maybe your heart is beating and that's okay. That's the Holy Spirit doing a work in you. And he's saying, today's your day. Today's the day that you can call on the name of Jesus and be saved. But please know that you need to know that you need to be forgiven much. Because God will allow you then to have the power to forgive others. So Holy Spirit, I pray. Lord, will you work on hearts right now and people here right now. Lord, will you come and move right now. In every heart, every, every mind, anyone that's watching online right now, if this is for you, if you feel like I want to call on the name of Jesus, I'm going to pray a very simple prayer which will help you to invite Jesus into your life. And if you're here today and you're saying, I want to follow Jesus, I want to follow Jesus, I need Jesus in my life, I need forgiving, 
And I don't want to die. I don't want to, if I die tonight, if you die tonight, what would be your answer? Where would you be? If the answer is hell, then you can change that right now. Maybe today started one way, but it can finish a completely different way. You may be in the pit of hell today, right now, but in five more minutes, you can be in the kingdom of God with your name written in the book of life and washed in the blood of the Lamb. Jesus, who sacrificed and laid everything down, we all fall short and we all deserve death. Jesus said, I'll pay it for you. I will pay it for you. So he suffered a brutal death so that you could live. And all you've got to do is acknowledge, I haven't done it the way I should have been doing it. I haven't acknowledged God. I haven't lived the way I should. And today I want to do that. Today I want to live. Today I want to receive Jesus into my life. So this is a very simple prayer I'm going to pray. And if you want to pray this prayer, the prayer doesn't save you. It's your heart before God that will. If you don't mean it, it don't mean nothing. But if you mean it, if you pray and you're asking God to come in, you don't have to have all the answers. You don't need to know all the information in the Bible. He will take care of all that stuff. And us as a church will help you with those next steps. So church, will you pray with me? Yeah? And if there's anyone here that wants to pray this prayer for the first time to receive Jesus into their lives, pray it with us. You're not going to be alone. People are going to pray it with you. They're going to repeat what I pray. Repeat with me. Father God, please forgive me for ignoring you and doing things my way. I choose today to turn from my old ways and I now want to live a life following your Bible. Lord Jesus, thank you for dying for me on the cross and defeating death that I could have eternal life. I call on your name and I ask, please come into my life that I would be saved. Holy Spirit, I ask, will you come and fill me that I would never be the same again? Amen. Now, if you prayed that prayer, I'm going to count to three. We do something really brave. And just when I get to three, put your hand up. One, two, three. Amen. 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 Be brave. Be brave if you're here. And you think, I know it's me. I know it's me. Just, just keep your hand up so someone can come and pray with you. Keep your hand up so someone can come and pray with you. They're going to give you a Bible. But if you're here and you're like, that's me, that's me. Just put your hand up. Don't leave it too late. Make sure you change. Praise God. Praise God for those coming into the kingdom of God today. Praise God. Amen. 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 And for those that have um, already received Jesus in their life but felt like they needed to reconcile with God, that's great. That's what we need to do. We need to keep coming to God. We need to consistently need forgiveness. Amen. That's why we need to understand what forgiveness is.